Thank you, Father, for your still small voice that you have whispered to us as we've disciplined ourselves to be silent and still before you. Father, I pray a blessing over your still small voice and the words and the truth and the hope that you have whispered to us in this time that, that nothing would rob it from us. God, would you continue to remind us of the fragility of the darkness that we can see around us and of the power of the light that was within us. Amen. Wonderful. Well, um, welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Welcome to Maharangi Vineyard. As I said, again, we are in our term three um, preaching series um, called One Another or Tatahi Ki Tatahi, which is one another or the idea of even sort of facing one another or sharing one another's um, space. And so this morning, we, I have the kind of really ended up being the very difficult task of being the next part of the series, which a really great part of the series, just for you to know, is our kids, um, Amped, Tribe, and even Kreish, are kind of embracing to whatever le to the, the level that they're at this whole, uh, this whole um, way of one-anothering. And so it's a really great, I think it's the first time if ever, but the first time in a long time that we've had a series that's run all the way through. So parents, if you've got kids in, in any one of those, um, love for you to have, have those one another conversations in your families of what it is to, um, to embody the one another's that we have um, for us or, or sort of demonstrated for us in Scripture. And so today, I'm looking at love one another. So honestly, that should take about two minutes, eh? No big deal, you know? Um, it was kind of like it's been incredibly, exceedingly difficult. Uh, on top of actually, we've had a personally very difficult week. But, but it's kind of like in preparing for um, love one another, like for every one thing you could choose to say, there's, there's a dozen brilliant things that will be left unsaid. So... We'll kind of just leave it. I sort of thought, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to give a complete love one another sermon. So I'll take that off the table in, in 20 minutes or whatever we have. Um, and so, so what I thought we can do is sort of just share, share a little bit about it. And then I was just sort of thinking, oh, got, got to about Thursday, which is sermon writing day, and thinking, well, ultimately... How sad would it be in, in a, um, when we're considering one another that it just comes down to a monologue of one talking face to a bunch of other faces sitting in quiet? And how much more important, how much of a higher goal would it be that we encounter and remind ourselves of, of what love really is? Sound good? All right. So love one another. Um, the first point of this is uh, of of all of our one another series, and we'll find you'll find as we go through this term, there will be um, lots of other people being part of the series itself, and this this whole kind of un the 
really a lot of the underlying aspect of all of the others, like live in harmony with one another, uh, don't grumble and complain about one another, encourage one another. This, this sort of under, it's underpinned by why, because we are to love one another. And the, entire, the whole point of the series is not a series about things we should do. It is far more, rather, about who we are to become as followers of Jesus. Angela and I, this year, recently, just the beginning of July, turned um, 49. So we are white-knuckling, holding on to our 40s. Um, you know, I'm still 40. You know, it's sort of, I'll be 49.999, and I'm still 40. But... Um, one of the things we did as in reflecting back of after, after sort of, you know, the, the dust has settled and you're kind of looking at, at the messages that people have sent or the cards that have been written. And one of the things that we, we both collectively were um, quite um, pleased about was multiple times in almost all of the messages that we, we collectively received was the fact that um, uh, things like people saying how, how kind you are and we re- pre- appreciate your kindness. Some of you are looking like, really? You too? What? Um, that's not very kind. Um, but I, and I just wanted to, it rem- made me think about the fact that actually kindness for me was an absolute discipline and choice. I made a few, quite a few years ago. Now I started a a bit of a study, um, sort of process of 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 going to do some some deeper theological study, um, which has been incredibly helpful and supportive. But one of the things I did was I met a person that I had never no, no don't, doesn't mean to offend anyone in the room, but I had never met anyone who embodied kindness like this person did to me. And it was just one of those moments that I was like, I want to be like you when I grow up. Like you're, it was incredible. They, they really are incredible. And so that started for me, the discipline or the choice to become or to wanting to embody what it is to be a kinder, um, gentler, um, better person. And so, and, and you might think, oh, well, that's really easy. It's, it's not, because people are really hard to be kind to sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like, you look around, it's easy to be kind to the people you like or the people that you agree with. It's, it's very, very different. And, and, and I by no means, I won't speak on behalf of Angela, but I by no means get it right 100% of the time. But, but what, it's wonderful to be, find yourself, I say that because I'm not in one at the moment, but it's wonderful to find yourself in a situation or circumstance where everything in you is like go for the jugular, just say what it is that you really want to say, do what it is you really want to do, and then in that moment, you choose to be kind, or you choose to shut up, which is often, in my case, the kindest thing I can do, is just not say anything, like, just shut up, Lyndon, shut up, you know, like, hopefully when I turn 50, I'll be, it'll be easier, but... Um, do you know, so I say all of that to say that in this one another series, it is not about just things we do. It is about who are we becoming? 
Who does Scripture invite us to be, to be like? What's, what's the invitation? And so, um, so and to put, it, to put it another way, of, of in the kingdom of God, that is, the, so if you have an understanding of what the kingdom of God is, it's basically just, not basic, there's nothing basic or just about it, but the kingdom of God is what the world looks like when God is truly in charge. Like, so when God comes, so when we pray, God's kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in God's kingdom, um, in the announcement of, of the rule and reign of when Jesus, when Jesus came to earth, which is the, the we, in vineyard, we, we have like a, not just vineyard, but we believe, or the theology of vineyard is like an inaugurated eschatology, which is that a big, lots of words for that Jesus has come. He's coming and he's come, and with him he's brought his kingdom. So the message of Jesus is what? Pronouncing the good news that the kingdom of God is near. And then he's gone about doing incredible things, which demonstrated to the people then, and is a witness to us now, of what the kingdom of God looks like. So, but we, be, we know that we live in an age, or I hope we know that we live in an age that, yes, Jesus has come, and in that coming he has brought his kingdom, but oh my goodness, he's coming again. And when he does, his kingdom doesn't come in part, but it comes in full. So everything is being made right. All of heaven comes to earth. As opposed to us dying one day and going off into the clouds. But it's the truth that heaven Heaven comes to us. The kingdom of God comes to us. And we see that in the things that Jesus said, in the things that he preached, in the demonstrations that he made, in his life and his death and his resurrection. That the world, that the, and, and we see those glimpses in Jesus, and we still see them today in those moments when, when we see the kingdom of God breaking in. And we have glimpses, sometimes just just moments of seeing this is what the world was always intended to be. Those moments of the breaking in of God's kingdom as we live in this in-between age of Jesus has come, but he's coming again in his fullness, and we're somewhere in the middle. And through God's great grace, we can live on this earth, in this moment, in your neighborhood, in your, in your community, in your workplace, we can, we can be part of or we can live with an expectation that God's kingdom is going to break in. Not in theory, but in reality, in where we are, where we find ourselves. And it's clear throughout Scripture that love is the way of that kingdom. That love is the language of that kingdom. I'll put it this way. I, I, I love this parable. It's not, not in Scripture, but it's from a guy, um, David, David Foster Wallace, um, who I think was an English professor um, in America. But he tells this parable, and I'm a, I'm a sucker for a parable and a word picture. And hopefully this will sort of be a way of sort of thinking a little bit more about it with love is there were, these, um, there were these two young fish swimming along one day and in the ocean, and they came across, and they met this old fish swimming in the other direction. And the old fish nodded at the two young fish, 
and said, um, said to them, hey boys, how's the water today? And, and kept swimming, and they kept swimming by. And then it was a few minutes later that the, um, you know, they just couldn't handle it anymore. And finally, the one young fish looked at the other young fish and said, what in the world is water? And so the deeper meaning of what he was saying was like how, how we can, what is it in our world that is, is just the unconscious or the unconscious bias or the unconscious way of thinking that we don't even think about? And in a way, I wanted to use that word picture because the water of God's kingdom is love. One day, love will be the air that we breathe. It will be the language that we speak. It will be the, the water that we live in. It will be the unconscious thing that we don't even think about. We don't have to. It, it's just everywhere, all-encompassing. It's above us. It's below us. It's to our right and to our left, and it's in us. One day. In the meantime, we get to splash around in the shallow end. I guess for me in considering it and considering and preparing, it's one of the things that makes me long for God's kingdom even more. You know, where, where love just is the water we exist in as opposed to the, the kind of like disciplined, hard choices we have to sometimes make. The wrestling with, the the things that we think about or, or, or you know, sort of the, 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 the practicing or, or even just the discipline of it all, the training. And yet we're invited as followers of Jesus, as people of God's kingdom, to not wait for that day, but to practice now. To know what it is to, to try to live out, to embody the way of love. To know what it is to fail miserably to know what it is to see glimpses of success and to know what it is to continue to try and to try and to try again. We're invited to know that love is our future. It is the reality of, of how and who we will be. In many ways, it's why Jesus answered in Matthew, Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, um, by, by one of the rulers and teachers of the law. I'm just going to paraphrase, but a really disingenuous question. They, he wasn't actually looking for an answer, but what is the greatest commandment or what's the greatest law? Like basically, what's, what's this world all about? And again, it's, it's asked from a first century context of the world in which that person who asked it, the, it was all about rules. It was all about following the rules in your own steam and in your own strength. Like, be better. Be less bad, as we say in our family. And Jesus' answer, for many of us will know, is, is to this really disingenuous question 
an incredibly powerful answer as he said that you must love the Lord your God with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That this is the first and the greatest commandment. It's an answer that immediately points to the fact that you could never achieve that on your own. But then he doesn't even just stop there. He carries on. And he says that's the first and the greatest command. But there's a second of equal importance. To love your neighbor as yourself. That the entire law and all of the demands of the prophet. So everything that that guy, but everything that we have in scripture, all of it hangs. One translation says these two pegs Everything else hangs off of those two things. To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And if there are two things that, that steer us further and further toward the fact that we cannot achieve that on our own by just being less bad, it's those two things. It would be like this. I've got this jar um, and I was going to stop and get seawater, but I just washed my shoes and the tide was out. So, and I wasn't as committed to the analogy as I thought, but I'll stick with the water thing. So this is just tap water with a bit of the grotty sand from the, um, from the cigarette butt thing out by the door. So it's, it's virtually like seawater, isn't it? You know, like kind of pretty much where we're at. Um, but it would be like saying... Um, this is the ocean. Like, and so assume I went down and got water actually from the ocean. Can you see by saying this is the ocean, there is a, there is a very l tiny level of truth to that statement. Yes? It is the ocean. But how tragic if you built your entire mindset or theology or practice around that's the ocean. So it is with love. Like we, please don't build, you know, hold what I've just said about love. Hold what you've ever heard about love in the same open hand that this statement, this is the ocean. Because one day, we will be absolutely overwhelmed by what love is. Almost like if we were now just to be, you know, take this and hold it in comparison to what is the ocean. I should have gone and got my shoes dirty for it, but hey, you know. And so it is we cannot speak of love apart from Jesus. We can't consider love um, apart or missing out. We would miss out on so much. It would be like saying this is the ocean. If we think of love, if we consider the, the invitation of Scripture to love one another, if we don't invite or consider who Jesus is and 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 what he demonstrated in love. So if you've got a Bible or a device with a Bible, let's turn to um, 1 Corinthians. This is Paul writing 
And quite sadly, this scripture, I should, well, sad the right word, um, I think unfortunately this scripture gets used way too much in weddings and way too few in actually situate like this. This this verse, First Corinthians, uh, yeah, First Corinthians thirteen, and and most if you've had it read at your wedding, I think I've read it at weddings as well. It's not that it's it's not that it's inaccurate, but it's like saying this is the ocean. And so I want to just pick up in, in the end of verse 12 where the Apostle Paul writes, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak in all the languages of earth and of the angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and I possessed all of the knowledge, and if I had such a faith that I could even move mountains, but I, but I didn't love others, I would have nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than it does for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Love isn't always me first, and it doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. Love keeps going until the end. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now your knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these particular things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. But then... 
we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I want to actually just carry on a little bit in verse 14, and I'm going to read out of the message in this one. So it carries on. Oh, and someone wants to go into the kitchen and grab the communion element. It's on a chopping board under a blanket or under a cover. Um, so it carries on. So let love be your highest goal. I love this. Go after it as if you're... Go after... Go after life, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. One of the, um, one of the things that I wanted to do this morning, as I said, there was lots of things we could do, but I felt very early on that there is no greater demonstration of love than God's table. That we have, a, we have Jesus' words, I think, for us when he said, you know, do this in remembrance of me. In so many ways, we could, we could add to that or be part of that and say, do this to remind ourselves what love really looks like. That the love that Scripture is inviting us into, the love that we are invited to build our life on, not just to do, but to embody, is a love that is, is a sacrificial love. A love that, that prefers others above ourselves. And we have no better symbol, no deeper reminder of what love is like than this table. And so what I'd like you to do is we'll start on the two sections on the end maybe and come in, grab, grab your elements um, and come and, and maybe bring them back. Maybe if worship team wants to come on up or someone just play a guitar. Um, and then just, just hold the elements, don't take them yet. And I'd like to just to pray for us and with us. You guys want to start? You guys carry on as well. Come up, grab your elements if you'd like. <clears throat>